Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Thomas Lalo, and tonight I am joined by Thomas Quigley. So for the sake of us having the same first name, I'm going to refer to him as Quiggs just to avoid any confusion. Quiggs, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just fine. I'm going to refer to you as Ayala, just to make sure. <laughs> From the start, two Toms can get confusing. Uh, I had a great uh, Christmas and uh, whatever this weird limbo period we're having right now, we're like there's like no work and no responsibilities. I'm loving that too. So oh, yeah. we're having a great, a great holiday break. You, got, you gotta love the vacation in the snow. Yeah. Especially with you being up there in Massachusetts. That's all you guys get. Yeah. Well, we're in Connecticut right now, but yeah. Ah, okay. Definitely. Okay. We got some snow right before Christmas. It was a, it was a nah, you're safe. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today and we're going to jump right into it. A team who is not safe from me and Quiggs yelling about are the Los Angeles Clippers who got, annihilated by Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. I think they lost by like 51 points. Uh, the Mavericks scored a lot of points. The Clippers only scored 73. I remember after the first quarter, the Clippers had, I think, 16 points. Paul George had about 14 points. Luka Doncic, damn near triple-double. He was about an assist and two rebounds away. But, Quiggs, this was, uh, this was a, a depression, if I can try to say it as nicely as I can. I, I just, I did not expect this at all. I, I have nothing to say about how horrid the Clippers were. And the Mavericks looked phenomenal. They just practically did what they wanted against the Clippers. I mean, Luka was just walking into lanes and PG was just kind of lollygagging out there. Lou Will wasn't really having it that day. And Ibaka, he, he wasn't really himself. I could just tell something wasn't right. Do you think that this is the Kawhi Leonard effect? Or do you think that this Clippers team is incredibly overrated. I know we're only a couple games in, but do you think it's safe that we can start asking those questions? And do you believe in any of those questions? Well, I mean, that is a tough question. I feel like, you know, after the tremendous collapse that the Clippers had against the Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs this year, now, whether they're overrated this year, I don't know. They had a very strong opening performance against the Lakers. They had a great, another great win on Christmas Day, and um, they suffered a loss in that game as well, and that was Kawhi with the uh, elbow to the face from Serge Ibaka. Um, yeah, they're not the same team without him. It's very clear to see that. Uh, but there's like there was a different – it was just a different feel to this game because they were never at all in it. You know, it was just completely – a complete flat effort from the beginning. Um, their 50-point deficit at halftime oh, was God. the worst in NBA history. In the and shot clock era, no less. 51 deficit. With, with a three-point line, somehow, I mean, they're able to rack it up to 50 points in a single half uh, at a deficit. It, it's kind of mind-boggling. And with the amount of talent that they have on, in L.A., it's, it's certainly mind-boggling. But what I, the question I was asking – after the game is where where's the leadership like yeah. Kawhi Leonard he's not he's a soft-spoken guy but he's he's clearly the, the leader on the team but other than him like Paul George he's not the guy he's not he's not the guy that's gonna say hey we're down 50 we're not gonna win this game but you know in the second half let's at least try to put some points on the board make it a little respectable they didn't do that they still got outscored in the second half and you know you're expecting the Mavs to lay off a bit in the second half and they did. And the Clippers just could not take advantage of it. Pat Beverly, 
he's probably the loudest guy on that team, <laughs> but he's certainly, you know, the leadership is just not there. Serge Ibaka, 13 points. I mean, this guy's won a championship. He's, he's been in two finals. He's been there. He's, he knows how to win tight games, but he has, apparently they don't know how to lose close games because this was just an abominable effort on the part of the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, it's a really big problem, Quiggs, and you bring up Ibaka, who has always been a consistent player ever since he really made that transition from being a shot-blocking four way back in, in the uh, godforsaken times of the early 2010s, which feels almost like an eternity ago. He has just completely flipped his game to a more of a perimeter-oriented style. He still has the defense. He doesn't score as many points as he used to. He's around maybe 12 or 11 right now. He dropped 13 points and nine rebounds yesterday. But Paul George, he only had 15 points, Quiggs. And if you remember, after the bubble, an article came out, I think it was from ESPN, where Paul George was trying to give like a pump-up speech to his teammates, and everyone in the locker room was just rolling their eyes. So this is not the Paul George of Indiana, clearly. This is not the Paul George of even his second year in Oklahoma City when he was in the MVP race. This is not the same guy. I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know... And he likes to fish. Maybe one summer he didn't catch a lot of fish and that's got him down in the dumps. I, I honestly don't know. Is he just not as good as we used to think he was? There's it's a lot certain. of questions. And I'm looking at Paul George right now because I don't know if I'm a Clippers fan, how I can sit up there with a straight damn face and defend this guy. I, 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 I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You can't. If Kawhi Leonard's out, right? Who the hell is supposed to pick up the scoring? But he, he's not delivering and he got – absolutely shown up by Luca and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. of all people and, and Josh Richardson, both of them. Of all the people that show up, Paul George, it was those two. One of them who was a forever bench player. What? I don't even know what to say about, about it. it makes it's you, just really sad. Please. It makes you scratch your head and wonder why did this team just sign this guy for $45 million plus a year after, you know, that, that the, the terrible playoff of performance, him bricking a ball off the, the side of the, of the backboard. <laughs> Regardless of that, you know, you just – I guess he maybe is comfortable now. He's got a, a massive contract. He doesn't necessarily have to work. And he took some, some of uh, – like, he took all of the blame after the loss. He said, it's on me. Um, but, yeah, like, that's obvious. Like, don't say the obvious. We know it's on you because you, when Kawhi's not in the lineup, you have to be the one performing – above and beyond and you're far below you know par right now yeah i mean when when paul george last year played the knicks who are we're going to get to in a bit but they were abysmal last year okay i don't even want to get started we'll talk about them in a second but paul george beat up the knicks by himself but it's the knicks like congratulations you beat up the smallest guy in the room and he feels like he's shaquille no you beat up the littlest guy in the room. You should feel about the size of a fingernail. You get embarrassed by the Dallas Mavericks, who are a quality team contending for a playoff spot with a potential MVP candidate, two really good role players, and a whole bunch of other role players who are very solid. They're all, oh, they're also missing Kristaps Porzingis. Let's not forget. If he was there, Quiggs, this could have very well been the first 200 point game <laughs> in NBA history. There's a very good chance the, the rate this was going. But look, with Paul George, paying him was bad. And we know that when you pay Paul George, 
he, he just takes his foot off the gas and he stinks. And this game is just, this is no different from backing up that claim. That is even more true than people thought it used to be. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a great point. I mean, if Kristaps is in this game, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine that the Mavs are able to do this without him. It's, and it's really embarrassing for, for LA. But the Mavs, you know, they, let's not take away from their performance because they, they, they played great. They, played, they, played they balled great. out. Luca with 24, eight assists, nine boards in 26 minutes. Josh Richardson and Tim Hardaway Jr. strong performances, both around 20 each. I mean, you know, th- this Mavs team is – they're good. They're pretty good. They're and, very uh, good, yeah. And I, I think once they – you know, Kristaps is – he's due to return soon. When they have him, Luca running the offense, and, you know, plenty of depth, I, I see this Mavs team potentially challenging for a mid-tier playoff seed, maybe even up to – the five seed four seed maybe uh i think it'll, it'll, it's going to be a fun west to watch this season and the mavs are definitely going to be right in the mix and they are certainly are going to make a lot of noise quigs you make a good point once porzingis comes back and hopefully he stays healthy this time the mavs can make some real noise and speaking of other teams that are underdogs who made a whole hell of a lot of noise the new york knicks <laughs> my beloved new york knicks who have for years been horrid just to watch even one game into the season. Beat the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the greatest feeling, Quiggs, winning a basketball game as a Knicks fan, and a guy that has watched this team for years now. Winning a basketball game is just like a national holiday at this point for Knicks fans. But I'm going to start with you because the Milwaukee Bucks, I know, are going to compete with your Boston Celtics in the playoffs. Is there a reason to not be concerned about them being a threat after this performance, or do you still think that they can turn it around? It's a good question. The Bucks are, you know, it's, it's a one and two start to the season. It's very shaky. Uh, it's not a good look ever, ever to lose to the New York Knicks without fans by 20 points. That's a oh, yeah, fans, no less. And not in the garden. They're not there to heckle everybody and bully it, the players. Exactly. It, it, you know, it's an arena with absolutely no desperate supporters who will be there every night, either to boo the other team and then eventually boo their own team. But first start booing the other team. The fact that they were able to get a thrashing from the Knicks is definitely not a good sign. It's not a good look, but if you step back and you take a, you know, a look at the entire full picture, it's a 72 game season this year and they're only three games in. I'm not too worried about the Bucs. Uh, Chris Middleton is, has been balling out since uh, the start in, uh, of the season. He's gone. Uh, he scored over 25-plus, I think, in the first three games. Yep. Um, and the Bucs are still getting used to – they have uh, the new additions of Drew Holiday. Uh, they're, they're getting used to a lot of new roles. I'm not too concerned if it weren't for, you know, an extremely lucky Jason Tatum game-winning shot in the opener. They're above 500. It's still, it's still not a good look, but I, I think Giannis is still the best player in the East, um, you know, barring Kevin Durant existing for the next, <laughs> for the next 72 games. But um, I'm, not, I'm not too worried if I'm a Bucks fan right now. It's just I'm worried about logging into Twitter. But other than that, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Logging into Twitter is just – it's always an adventure. You find something new. And, look, I – as a – if – if, as a Boston Celtics fan, if I was in that position, I would be very happy to see this result. 
because that gives them a chance to really make a run. And let's, let's not forget Kemba Walker is not healthy right now. Yeah. But when, when he comes back, how dangerous can the Celtics team really be? They can kick, yeah, the Knicks kicked the Bucks' ass the other night. And uh, you never want to lose to the Knicks. But if you're a Boston fan, you got, you got to be uplifted by this. It's, uh, it's definitely it's, – it's a good look for us, certainly. But, but the Celtics have their own troubles right now. The fact that they almost – I mean, very easily could be 0-3 right now. Um, they, they lost a close one to the Pacers, but they really got embarrassed by the Nets on Christmas Day. Um, I'm definitely excited to see those two teams, the Celtics and the, and the Bucks, go down the stretch because, you know, with the addition of the Nets now being um, real contenders in the East – that trifecta is going to be something to watch for the top three playoff spots in the East. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good ride. Yeah. I mean, certainly going to be quite a fun race, but we got to talk about the team that won this game, the Knicks by a score of 130 to 110. And they had, they had one hell of a performance. I watched the whole game from start to finish. I was, I was just incredibly confused because I thought Alfred Payton shot 20% from three. This guy went three for three from three, and he finished with 27 points. Julius Randle, who Knicks fans are notoriously known for hating on, and Randle's blocked a number of Knicks accounts, rightfully so. He had 29, 14, and seven. RJ Barrett with 17. Alec Burks, who has been their version of a bench Michael Jordan, he had 18 points last night. Frank Nilakina, who Knicks fans also do not seem to like, had 12 points, and he went four for four from three. And the Knicks came in here. They came in with a lot of energy. Thibodeau came in with a game plan. Quiggs, do you think that this team has something to be excited about in the near future, or do you think that this is going to be another Knicks are going to just Nick and somehow find a way to mess it up? All right, so I'll ask you to qualify your question by defining what you mean by soon. <laughs> because oh, want to, okay. or near uh, future because right. you know the Knicks don't really have a lot to look forward to this season but this is a, this was a very impressive performance and a fantastic way to get your first win in the Tom Thibodeau era if they can replicate this performance throughout the season uh against other very quality teams you know that'll be great like building great for building momentum in this seemingly never-ending rebuild that they're in. Uh, so if they can, yeah, if they can go out and, and have strong performances like this, if they can get Randall and Peyton to put up 20-plus in the same night that That's and thinking there, Burks <laughs> comes off the bench with 18 points, no, it's unlikely to happen again. But if they can put up similar strong performances, maybe not over the best team in the East from last year, um, it's definitely a good building block toward where they're trying to go. Um, but yes, the question is consistency. And if, if the Knicks are able to avoid nicking this up. <laughs> so I, if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm definitely happy with this performance. And I'm a little bit excited, certainly. Uh, but it's got to be measured excitement. And uh, you got to keep the, keep the burners on because there's, there's certainly uh, there's a, a lot of basketball left. A lot of basketball left, you know, Tom Thibodeau put out a good quote the other night. Yeah. And he said, he said, it's one game, you know, it's, it's just one game. Yeah. Sick. Like we beat the best team, considerably the best team in the East and considerably one of the best teams in the NBA, but you, there's still more work to be done. And 
they don't have they don't have a very fun schedule. I'll tell you this. They're gonna play Indiana again. They're gonna run into Toronto, who is deceptively not bad. You know, they're gonna play all these these teams and you gotta beat up on the little teams too. If you're the Knicks, you gotta show that this rebuild in three years, you asked me to quantify three years. I think they can be something. But you gotta be able to beat up on these teams who you think are inferior to you, and then you have to be able to compete with these good teams. Because then you'll earn respect, players will want to sign, drafting. You know, all that stuff has to go in. Coaching will get a lot better. Player development. Building up a team. I mean, you don't know that because you're a Celtics fan because you guys are just good. Like, it seems like every year and the years that you guys do stink, other than the 90s when Larry Bird left, you guys just seem to have a competitive product and your rebuilds are like one season. The Knicks have been rebuilding since Patrick Ewing left the team. They just, they can't do any, they couldn't do anything right. So hopefully that they've found something that, they can take with them, fix all of this, and just become a competent team. You know, that's, a, that's what Knicks fans are really asking for at this point, Cleggs. I don't think it's too far off. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is, certainly has a reputation in the league, but uh, he's, been, he's shown that he can get it done uh, in Chicago, at least, for a few years. Um, and we'll see. I mean, if he can handle the, the bright lights of New York, then uh, you, might have, you might have something to look forward to in the not-so-distant future. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, if you ever watching the games, the guy, David Fizdale was smiling last year when they were down 50 to the Bucks. This guy, like, wanted to, to run amok on Fifth Avenue, okay? That, he wanted to win that game. David Fizdale was just happy the Knicks were even able to play on television. And I'm surprised they didn't get canceled off that game that year. But he brings a different element to this team. It's a, he comes from a good coaching tree, and Knicks fans have a lot to look forward to. But – you know, these little teams, man, these little teams, they're on their way up. The Knicks may be a big market team, but they act like a little team. And the Charlotte Hornets, they squeaked by the Brooklyn Nets last night, 106 to 104. Um, th- this was a strange game to watch because I saw the Nets. I watched the game a little bit. I watched some of the highlights as well on YouTube. And they, the Nets just kind of were toying around with, with – um, with the Hornets. I mean, they didn't really look like they wanted to exactly win that game, but they definitely weren't trying to lose it, but they didn't really take them serious. And you know what? The Hornets kind of snuck up on them and maybe that, maybe that little team too is just the little engine that could is just knocking on the door. And some of these teams are ready to compete. And I think that the East is on its way back, but this Nets team, I think it's good that they lost Quigs because it shows that I don't care that you have these two stars. You can lose anybody. NBA, if it's your night, you never know. You never know if it'll ever be your night. You just never know. You're not sure when, but it can always be your night. Yeah. I mean, as a Celtics fan watching this game, there's the good and there's the bad. The good is that the Nets take an L, uh, especially after that, that absolute uh, destruction of the Celtics <laughs> on Christmas Eve or Christmas night. Um, but, yeah, no, so that was certainly – a a fun thing to watch as a Celtics fan, but it's also kind of scary when you think that even when the Nets go out and don't necessarily put forth their best effort, they still look really good. They still look super good. KD, it remains lethal after coming off that Achilles injury. Kyrie is still a wizard in, in, like, in deep, getting layups to go in from all different kinds of angles last night. It, it, it was impressive to watch. Um, but 
the, the Hornets did come out with a, an extremely strong performance, and this is where the bad part comes for Celtics fans. Two of our fan, well, maybe not fan favorites, certainly Terry Rozier, a, a fan favorite. Scary in Terry, Boston. I remember that. Scary Terry with oh a absolute God. poster on Kevin Durant. That was that was that was very filthy. fun to watch. That was filthy. He puts up 19 points. He's averaging 27 over the first three games. Gordon Hayward, who we let walk in free agency this year, to, and signed a very lucrative deal, four-year, 30 million with uh, with Charlotte that most people were very confused about, well, he's kind of proven that to be a good move. He's already scored 28 in two of the first three games of the season. He looked great last night. Um, So that's definitely, it's it's, it's a hard pill to swallow uh, from the Celtics' what-if standpoint. (laughs) But uh, the Hornets, you know, the Hornets, they were, uh, they had a strong performance yesterday from pretty much everyone. It's six different players in double digits. Uh, Bismarck Biombo with the strong performance and the game-winning defense on KD to force that tough shot in the closing seconds. Uh, even Miles Bridges scored 10 off the bench. Um, it was just a huge win for the team, and it was very impressive to get their first win against a team that's looked basically unbeatable in their first two contests. Do you remember Quigg's uh, Bismarck Biombo in Toronto? Do you remember that run he had? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that, that's, what the, that's what the Hornets got last night, the 12-6. and six. And fun fact, Bismack Biombo is one of the vice presidents of the Players Association. Just, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and then it's like all these big-name players, and it's just Bismack Biombo on the committee. I mean, it's just ironic, but I guess he's just that nice of a guy. But... I think you said it perfectly. The Gordon Hayward one, yeah, the contract is definitely an overpay. So shout out to the GOAT, Michael Jordan, for, for, uh, for that one, if, if he had any sort of influence. But so far, it's starting to pay off. And Scary Terry, I don't think you guys, I don't think Boston fans should have let him, should have like shamed him for complaining about his role. I don't think he should have been able to walk. Granted, he also got overpaid, but it seems to be working out so far. But the one player I'm really wanting to uh, discuss a little bit here um, is actually not on the Hornets. It's actually Spencer Dinwiddie for the Brooklyn Nets. This, he, this loss is an absolute killer for them because he tore his ACL or yeah, his ACL. He's going to be out the whole season. So you're not going to get him at all. And he is by far and away the best ball distributor on this Nets team. Yeah, we know Kyrie. Yeah, he's a point guard, but he's not a he's not a pure point guard. He's going to score forty points, and he's going to put on highlights. Did you see that left-handed layup he had on the right side of the glass last night? I mean, that's what he does. He's not a pure point guard. Dinwiddie is a pure point guard. I mean, unless Steve Nash wants to throw on a uniform and go out there and play, which I think he might hurt his back even more than he did when he's on the Lakers. But losing Dinwiddie's big because he is their main ball distributor, and you know, Durant's not a, really a playmaker. We already know Kyrie's not good at it. Karis LeVert's not going to drop seven or eight assists. And I don't really see who else on this team to fill that void. You know, so how concerned are you with Dinwiddie going down? Do you think that they're going to find a way around this? Or do you think that there are going to be some problems going forward? I think it's certainly a, a significant blow to the team. Uh, and, it, and it especially if Kyrie has to miss any time 
at, at any point this season because you know if they don't have him they that he's their he's far and away their second best ball handler handler on the team they just don't have anyone else who, who can like facilitate in the same way um if they want to be a championship contender they need to be able to survive you know a significant injury like Kyrie Mess. based on last season's injuries um and of course they were completely uh derailed by uh, missing Kevin Durant and Kyrie for most of the season but if they can't handle that this year when they're actually supposed to be a championship contender they might just fall out of that rank because there's no one else on this team that can really fill that hole that that didn't when he leaves um if if Kyrie is at any point unavailable during the season yeah I mean Quiggs you know this better than anyone who has observed Kyrie Irving he is injury prone and as as much as I really don't want to see players get hurt, that that's just the unfortunate reality that, that players and fans who have been teammates and fans of Irving's, that's just the unfortunate reality that you have to live with. And you can't, you can't calculate injuries and advanced analytics. They don't really account or project when he's going to get hurt. So you have to be prepared for that. I, I don't know what they do if he goes down because Dinwiddie's not coming back at all. And if Kyrie's going to miss a lot of time, I mean, unless you want to snag one of these three Hornets guards that they have, I don't know. I don't know what they really can do. I mean, it's just kind of up in the air. If you if you would agree. Well, I don't know if they could do it, but I wonder if uh, if in Brooklyn they're starting to uh, get a little more desperate for that James Harden trade. Ah, they don't really have. Ooh. They don't have Dinwiddie to, to put in that package now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to trade a, an injured player, but. I mean, I don't know. It makes you think. <laughs> I, I, I know that people, the Nets fans are like, oh, we're going to get James Harden. I don't do it. Please, for the, for the sake of your own team, it's fine the way it is. Please don't make the Harden trade. Like, I, I'm really imploring you. Take this advice from a Knicks fan when they traded for Melo all those years ago. Please don't do it. It'll destroy your team. They're just be- and Kevin Durant is going to go back to his top two caliber status of player this season. It's going, I think it's going to happen. Has a very good chance. You know, he's still lethal with the jump shot. He's seven feet tall. He shoots over pretty much anyone he feels like, unless he just decides to say Cancun on three and go to vacation with the Clippers. But, you know, Durant, Durant can still carry the load. Karis Levert's going to help him as well. But that point guard spot is so essential in today's NBA quigs. I don't know how they're going to be able to maintain a top three spot in the East unless everyone can, everyone else can stay healthy or they go out and make a move to bring in a point guard. They'll have to make, they'll have to, you know, they're going to they're gonna have, have to move. It's yeah. the only way uh, you, you just can't rely on Kyrie to, to stay off the uh, injured list, but you can't. And there's a couple of players who I, I was kind of thinking of. One of them is actually Monte Morris from the Denver Nuggets, who I think could be a serviceable player for them. Another one is Devontae Graham, who they just played the other night in Charlotte. Well, I also think he's a free agent. So I guess if you want to throw him money, have fun. And if you want another point guard, why don't you come to the Knicks? We got like three, three point guards. Two of them are trash. So give, us a, give them a second round pick. You know, do you think that Sean Marks would go for any of those smaller moves or is there something else that he has in mind? Um, I mean, the Nets, if the Nets want to, if the Nets want to win, they have to yeah, win now. No doubt. They have three years left on, on KD's contract. 
they have to win now. So whatever it takes, they have two years left on KD's contract. So they have to win now. Whatever it takes, if it means that you have to give away your future, the future of your team in order to win this very petty battle of New York with the Knicks, which you should be winning far and away. And yet somehow, I mean, I guess. You know. They can't even like surpass <laughs> them in viewership. They tweeted out like they got 25,000 more viewers than the Knicks. Like the fact you got to tweet that out is kind of sad, but I mean, kudos to them. I can't really knock them. They got a great team. You're right. No, I, I think that the Nets will have to, they'll, they'll have to make a decision on whether they're going to go all out or I guess roll the dice and, and hope that everything just hope that everyone stays healthy and Kyrie or, and the team is unaffected by this loss, but it's hard to imagine that that will happen. It's hard to imagine a lot of things. And it's hard to imagine that me and you are going to get all of our NBA picks for Tuesday night's games. Correct. We've selected some of the marquee games that we like. Um, So we're going to go ahead and pick uh, our winners for those games. So, so the first game on our list is one of the teams that we talked about the New York Knicks, are going to be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are actually the Cleveland Cavaliers are three and L Quigs. I I I did not expect that at all. Uh, are they? Could they possibly be a surprise team? I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. But um, I'm going with the Knicks. They beat up the Cavs in the preseason, and you know I I don't think Cleveland's that good. I like Garland and Sexton, but their backcourt defense is just so atrocious that it's not even worth mentioning. But I'm gonna go with the Knicks. Yeah, this is a tough one um, because, it, well, there, first of all, there's a really weird few teams that are still undefeated, like a very strange collection. Um, <laughs> and one of them is this Cleveland Cavaliers team. They're due for a loss. They're extremely due for a loss. And yet the Knicks coming off, you know, and over, you know, a very much above. Uh, above expectation. Above expectation win over the, over the Bucks. Um, you know, they have to come back to earth. They have to have their hangover game. So this is a tough one to, this is a tough one to pick. I feel like it's hard to pick which one will lose. I'm going to go with the Cavs in this one, just because I feel like the Knicks are not going to be able to follow up a, a really strong performance with any sort of, um, you know, respectable performance. It's just, it's very unnick of them. And I, I just don't see it happening. Oh, I, I hope you're wrong, but that is the unfortunate reality that I still have to live with. Our next game, the Toronto Raptors. No, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Raptors, if you want to be technical here, are playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Philadelphia looks way better than they did last year. I'm going with Philly. I don't know how much of a game this is going to be, and Toronto has just kind of looked a little dilapidated to start the season. Yes, Toronto is, the, is one of the surprising winless teams thus far. Um, you know, they're coming off back-to-back losses against the Pelicans and the Spurs, who are, have both played decent basketball thus far. The Sixers, on the other hand, you know, started out 2-0 and and then just got their butts handed to them by that Cavs team that's undefeated. I know, like, really? <laughs> so um, this, is their, this is basically their first competitive matchup. Um, or competitive team that they're playing this year. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Raptors. I think they're due. Uh, they haven't won yet, and they're a good team. They lost uh, Gasol, but they're still a strong. They're 
somewhat of a powerhouse in the East. And I'm going to pick them over, uh, over Philly. Our next game that we have selected, the Indiana Pacers versus your Boston Celtics. This is a really toughie to pick because both teams, I think, are equally matched in terms of, of play style. Uh, maybe strategy, you could say. I'd say Boston has kind of stepped away from that defensive approach and they're more run and gun the last couple of years. Indiana, same deal. They were a grit and grind team. They played slow, and now they're playing a lot faster. DeMontis Sabonis, though, is looking like an absolute monster. He almost dropped a damn triple-double in opening night. He just got named player of the week. Um, I mean, this is a serious toss-up game, but I'm going with Indiana. I, I, I just think that they're – Malcolm Brogdon is going to outshine the Boston backcourt, and I think DeMontis Sabonis is, is going to be too much to handle for, for the Celtics. Yeah, this is another one of those strange back-to-back uh, games that we're getting. Last night, uh, Sunday night, the Pacers beat the Celtics uh, in a last-second last uh, lay-in from DeMontis Sabonis, who, like you said, won player of the week. Uh, and then right after, Jason Tatum was unable to replicate his game-saving magic. He pulled out against the Bucks as time expired in their, in their home opener. Um, this is going to be another, another tight one, I think. Uh, the Pacers are they're among the surprising group of undefeated teams thus far. I mean, it's not too surprising because they have a strong team. They were fourth in the East last year. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the Celtics ba- bouncing back Tuesday night to get back to 500. They've taken two straight uh, losses, and you know it's time to get back in the win column for them. If not, one and three is not a good start. So I think their back's kind of against the wall here. I'm going to go with the Cs. And a lot of people were counting out the Pacers. Let's not forget that. And you know what? They're shutting everyone up really quick, real fast. And I, I would not want to play them in the playoffs if I was any, any team going up against them. I would not want to deal with Indiana, and this new-look offense is lethal. And Sabonis, I mean, he's just so good. He's way too good. It's getting a little ridiculous, <laughs> as, as weird as I'm wording it. But our next game, the New Orleans Pelicans going up against the Phoenix Suns. Two young teams who were really trying to make a push. Both of them made some win-now moves. Obviously, the Pelicans let go of Holiday, but they picked up Eric Bledsoe, and they traded George Hill away for Steven Adams. Uh, I'm, I'm, I wanted to pick the Suns because I think Chris Paul is just way smarter than everyone on the Pelicans, but the Brandon Ingram-Zion Williamson duo is real. Lonzo Ball has improved drastically not only just overall as a player, but his three-point shot has finally come along after he was touted a great three-point shooter in UCLA and then got exposed in his rookie year. But this game is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of young talent, but I'm going with the Pelicans. I just think Brandon Ingram, is, is he might be the best player on the floor tomorrow night. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Ingram's just been lighting it up. Uh, so far, validating that massive contract he signed this fall – Rightfully so that he gets paid. No, exactly. And Lonzo has also, you know, he's been making significant improvement upon last year and, you know, it's great to see Zion fully healthy at the beginning of the season. I think this is going to be a very fun team to watch for the next few years, but certainly this season. Um, And, you know, the Suns are also one of those lights out teams. I mean, they're after their, their perfect performance in the bubble and, and going home, 
against you know everyone in the NBA's you know chat rooms and and and, and Twitter. Everybody everybody was so upset that they <laughs> went out there and they won they won out and they were sent home. Um, but you know with their new look, they got Chris Paul. They're off to a hot start. Um, I don't know. I'm still going to go with the Pelicans in this one, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, it's certainly going to be one heck of a game too. I mean, all the, like you said, the talent, Zion's fully healthy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Next game uh, is a group of teams who have records that don't match what their rosters are assembled to be. The Denver Nuggets are playing the Sacramento Kings. The Kings at this moment, Quiggs, if you can fact check this, the Kings are ahead of the Nuggets in the standings. I don't think the Nuggets have a win yet. Yes, uh, the Nuggets are winless. They are winless, and they are like considered one of the best teams in the West. The Kings have above 500 record, and they have not made the playoffs since the mid-2000s when Chris Weber didn't blow out his knees. Uh, last time these two teams played, Buddy Heald tipped in the game winner after Harrison Barnes blew the dunk. Uh, I firmly believe Nikola Jokic is going to drop a 40-point triple-double or some ridiculous stat line like that, and he's going to propel the Nuggets to a win, so I'm going with Denver. Yeah, they're, they're certainly due. Uh, it's, we're only three games into this season, uh, but certainly not what we expected from either of these teams thus far. Um, I got to take Denver in this one with, uh, you know, they, they, they're just too stacked. They're a, a conference finals team last year. They're, they're certainly they're certainly do and this Kings team well they have a lot of, a lot of young talent and you know are certainly on the rise I feel like they you know it's it's time for them to come back to earth a little bit uh and I'm gonna pick Denver in this and the last game that we have selected a rematch of last year's second round Eastern Conference matchup the Milwaukee Bucks the Miami Heat this is easily the game of the day as much as I like Miami and the things that they've done this year to improve the team, the signings they've made I thought were solid. This is just not going to be pretty at all. The idea and the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP, lost to the Knicks, it's not going to sit well with him. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not going to sit well with him. And the Miami Heat are the unfortunate uh, roadblock that Giannis is going to literally light on fire and just squander with his size 500 shoe. So I'm taking the Bucks, and just no further statements after that. Yeah, I think the Heat are about to get something a little more than their, their reckoning for the, the, you know, they had a, had a very, very wild and unexpected um, playoff clash this past summer. And uh, I think the Bucks still, you know, carry that with them in, in playing, you know. They're going to have a lot of heat, a lot of fire. They're going to come in. The Bucks are going to come into this that was game. Good. The Bucks are going to come into this game with a lot of fire, uh, with it certainly uh, an air of, of vengeance. And uh, I don't, I don't see anyone on the Heat stepping up to take this wrath from Giannis. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Bucks. And uh, sorry, Miami, the Bucks have you here. And we'll give we'll give Jimmy a hug. We'll send him a virtual hug gift after the game. I'll DM him, DM him on Instagram. Well, that's going to about do it for Thomas Quigley. I'm Thomas Aiello. This has been another edition of Pick and Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. 
Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.